Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're so honored that you're joining us today. The word Kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. And we believe here at Kalos that the words and the ways of Jesus are very beautiful. That's why each week we're bringing content to make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and jump right in to this last Sunday's sermon. I believe that friendship is important throughout the scriptures. In fact, we see Jesus with 12 close friends in his 30s, which is a wonderful miracle. Not all of us can enjoy. And so we, looking at the life of Jesus, have adopted this phrase. We don't want to just be a friendly church, but a church of friends. And I want to throw this idea out for all of us that throughout the scriptures, friendship is important. It's not something that's peripheral or even optional. It's something that as followers of Jesus, looking at his words, looking at his ways, it's something that we ought to embrace as our cultural and spiritual heritage. In fact, as I became a Christian in high school and I graduated, my senior quote went like this in my yearbook picture right next to my face. It said, friendship is like peeing your pants. Everybody can see it, but only you can feel the warmth. And so that's how serious I am about friendship. But I don't want to base this on that gross quote. I want to base it on the word of God. Can I get a good amen? And so let's look at some of these scriptures that really describe Jesus and this idea of friendship. In Luke 7, 34, the son of man, speaking of Jesus, on the other hand, feasts and drinks. And you say he's a glutton and a drunkard. And uh, say it with me friend of tax collectors and other sinners. So religious leaders judge Jesus by being a friend of sinners. In John 11, it says, and after he said this, he went on to tell them, our friend, this is Jesus speaking, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. So Jesus acknowledged that Lazarus is his, say it with me, friend. In John 15, Jesus takes it a little bit deeper, and now he's not just describing his life, but he's giving instructions to the disciples. Do we have any disciples of Jesus here today? People who've decided to follow Jesus, and he takes it further. He says in verse 12, this is my commandment. So it's not optional. It's not an encouragement. It's not a preference. This is my commandment, Jesus says. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. Okay, how have you loved Jesus? In 13, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's, say it with me, friends. You are my, say it with me, friends. If you do what I command, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I've told you everything the father told me. You didn't choose me, I chose you. So throughout the scriptures, to summarize this idea, Jesus is called a friend of sinners. Jesus calls his disciples friends. Jesus says there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for friends. And so if you want to be like Jesus, be a Amen. And so this whole idea, Jesus says there's no greater love than to lay down your life for a friend, which is a wild statement. Because when I think of the greatest love, I think of a, a mother loving a child. 
I think of a newly budding romance. I think of someone loving an enemy. But Jesus says the greatest love is laying down a life for a friend. And I feel some tension here. And uh, maybe he's saying it's like, okay, this surpasses all every love that ever exists. Maybe it's saying that the greatest love one can show a friend is laying down your life in self-sacrificial love for that person. Either way, I think it's clear in scripture that friendship is important. It's not peripheral. It's not optional. It's not on the outside of the Christian experience. It's central to it. But can we be honest? It's hard to facilitate friendships, especially as we get older. As a dad, as someone approaching my 40s, I, I feel like it's not as easy to make friends as it was when I was a kid. Anybody resonate with that? I mean, it, it, it's difficult. And it feels like with social media, we can have all these social media friends. We can have thousands of connections, but we still feel more isolated than ever. I remember moving to Bellevue. We didn't have any friends here in this area. We didn't know anybody here. In fact, Amrita's first time in Bellevue was moving here. And so we were really starting a new life from scratch. And I, I, I decided to go to this like networking event to make some new connections. And I went to this thing in downtown Bellevue. And so I had to get like a name tag. It didn't quite fit on there. <laughs> Pradeep and Jumanor and Sivaratnam. I'm in this sushi restaurant and I, I'm engaging with people and people are like trying to get new jobs and make business connections. And so I'm like, hi, my name is Pradeep. And they're like, what do you do for a living? I'm like, I'm a pastor. They're like, okay, I'm going to talk to someone else. <laughs> and nobody wanted to be my friend. I remember talking to this guy and uh, he's like, oh, you're a pastor. Um, and I love this language. I, I use it as a joke now. He says, uh, I could tell he didn't want to talk to me. He says, I'm going to diversify my conversations now, which is the weirdest way. It's the weirdest way of saying, I'm going to go talk to someone else now. <laughs> I'm going to go diversify my conversations now. And I, I didn't know the Bellevue etiquette. I was like meeting people and I was like, hey, uh, I'm so excited we talked. Can I add you on Facebook? And they're like, bro. We just met. That's too intimate. Let's start off with a LinkedIn request, and then we'll see where the relationship goes from there. And I just, I just, can you resonate with that? I was like, it's hard to make connections and friendships. Where do you start as an adult? So making friends is hard. And so if you're feeling that way, I just, I want to communicate in this environment. You're not alone in feeling alone. We're alone together. We're not alone. I mean, I, I'm going to, you don't have to do this. Optional. But if, if you were to be real with yourself, how many of you guys feel the, the, the tinge of loneliness in your life right now? I mean, even with connections all around you, you, you can resonate with, I wish I had some true friends. I wish I felt more connected. I felt I had some people who knew me and still loved me even though they know all my warts, all my reality. You're not alone in feeling alone. In fact, I was reading this study by YouGov, a polling agency, and it shared that a lot of people are struggling to make friends. According to them, 27% of millennials have zero, no close friends, and it's getting worse. Americans are increasingly lonely people, a new study has indicated. According to the Survey Center on American Life, Americans today have fewer friends and talk to them less often than they did 30 years ago. 
Science suggests that the role of friends in American social life is experiencing a pronounced decline, the study said. And, and when we lack friendships and fall into social isolation, it takes a toll on our soul. We're designed for community, for friendships. I mean, this is an ethic in Christianity, but also it's built into our bones. I mean, let me read some of the things that happen when we fall into social isolation. It increases our risk of premature death from all causes, according to this survey. Uh, it, it rivals smoking and physical inactivity. Social isolation is associated with about a 50% increase in dementia. Uh, it's increased, it's associated with a 29% increased heart disease and risk of stroke. Loneliness was associated with higher rates of depression, anxiety, and suicide. It increases your rate of hospitalization by 68% and 57% increased risk of emergency department visits. So, I mean, it takes a toll on our soul, our mental, our emotional, and even our physical health. So, if you're dealing with loneliness, feeling the social isolation, you got to deal with it. We got to do something about it. We can't just ignore it forever and think we're just going to walk away unscathed. It's going to take a toll on us, and this is serious. Uh, but our society is changing. People aren't valuing friendships. They're treating it like peripheral. I don't have time for that. I'm reminded of this quote by C.S. Lewis, a great Christian thinker and author, and he says, To the ancients, friendship seemed the happiest and most fully human of all loves, the crown of life and the school of virtue. The modern world, in comparison, ignores it. And so as we address this in this series, we want to build a culture of friendship here at Kellos Church. And so let's, let's explore what does this idea mean culturally, theologically throughout the scripture and what this means for us. And so, uh, number one, let's just dive into a simple definition. What is friendship? I mean, friendship is an abstract idea. It's a concept we don't really know how to, to explain. Is friendship simply people that you're going through the same life stage with? Is friendship mean you have common activities and interests? Does friendship mean I, I send you, you know, DMs with memes and Instagram reels? And if you respond with your own Instagram reel, that means we're friends. And if you don't respond to me or my text, that means we're not friends. I mean, is there a better definition for what this is? There's a, a, a quote by Jonathan Holmes. He actually wrote a whole book on friendship and companionship. And I like this definition. He says, biblical friendship exists when two or more people bound together by a common faith in Jesus Christ pursue him and his kingdom with intentionality and vulnerability. Rather than serving as an end in itself, biblical friendship serves primarily to bring glory to Christ who brought us into friendship with the Father. It is indispensable to the work of the gospel in the earth and an essential element of what God created us for. And so biblical friendship is more than just friendship for the sake of friendship. It's not saying we're in love with the idea of love. It's saying, hey, we are bound together by Christ and we're going to spur one another. We're going to confide in one another. We're going to strengthen one another to glorify the name of Jesus. And this whole idea of biblical friendship is so important because did you know Jesus says that marriage is not in heaven in eternity? But the fellowship of the saints, these kind of relationships that we're fostering on earth, they last in eternity. 
And so there's an eternal stake to these friendships that we're cultivating right now. And so Jesus says, hey, no greater love than to lay down your life for a friend. And Jesus says, you're my friends because uh, I'm confiding in you. I wouldn't confide in slaves, but I would confide in my friends. You're my friends because I chose you. You didn't choose me. And you're my friends because guess what? I'm going to prove it. I'm laying down my life for you on the cross. So it's not just these like simple games and activities. It comes at a cost. It's self-sacrificial. And I, I love this idea in the church because I think sometimes in the church, we feel less Christian if we're not married or we don't have kids. And we think, okay, if I'm going to be a full Christian, I have to get married. And I, I believe marriage is good. It's amazing. It's a signpost of the kingdom of God, but it does not replace God. And we cannot make marriage an idolatrous image in our culture. The goal of Christianity is not to be married. It's to be with God, to live like Jesus. And Jesus lived a very fulfilled life as someone without being married on earth and someone without kids. But what he did have is many amazing friendships that he celebrated and he exalted and encouraged us to participate in. And so friendship is something that we can all enjoy. I remember when I first became a Christian, uh, I made my first Christian friend, and his name is Benjamin Block. It was my first week in this youth ministry. I just given my life to the Lord. I was serving on the team and I had been going to a few services. And then uh, we found the youth pastor and we found his car keys. So Ben and I, we stole the keys, went into the parking lot, skipped the church service and listened to the Beatles all night. And a friendship was forged. Can I get a good amen? And so we're listening to this. And I was really obsessed with the color orange at the time. I was that kid who wore orange pants and shoes and a shirt. And uh, anyways, I was wearing this like baseball jersey. And Ben liked it. And he was wearing an orange jersey. I don't know what team it was. <laughs> and uh, I said, hey, man, I like your orange shirt. I'm kind of the orange guy around here. Uh, so do you mind if we exchange clothing? He's like, actually, I really like that jersey. So we took off our clothes, exchanged shirts, and never returned them. And our friendship was solidified in the forge of Christian fashion. It was beautiful. But then that, that relationship budded. We joined the worship team. He played guitar. I played drums. And we would start to pray together. We would start sharing the gospel with our friends together. We would go to gas stations and we would go on all these crazy adventures. We would buy tickets to Christian concerts, hide them in our pockets, and then see if we could sneak in. It was just this great low risk, high reward kind of thing because we didn't want to steal. We're Christians, but we wanted the thrill of sneaking in. And I, I, I love this. Soon we felt a call to ministry. We both went to a Bible school in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We became roommates and we went on missions trips and we would share the gospel with more people there. And then after that, we both got employed at a church in Michigan to be youth pastors at the same time. In fact, we got engaged on the same day and got married within three months of each other. And now he's a missionary in Japan the same time as we decided to plant a church and he's 
on the board of Kalo's church. And it's amazing that for all these years, for over 20 years, we've had this friendship. We've seen each other in good times and some of the most painful times we've ever experienced in our life. But I, I want to be honest. I would not have grown in my faith, especially early on in my days of following Jesus, if I would not have had this friendship in my life. Someone to encourage me and to provoke me and to challenge me and to hold me accountable and say, hey, that's not right. I think you could glorify and represent Jesus a little bit better in your life. Do you have a friend like that in your life? I think it's really important. I think it's really important you have someone in your corner that can challenge you. And it's not just laughing. It's not just games. It's not just sitting around a fire. While those things are very important, but it's someone who helps you become more like Jesus Christ. I love this quote. It says, Christian friendship isn't just about grabbing a drink or dinner or vacationing together. Those are good things, even great things, even that need to be celebrated. And all of which can look like things we do together as being these kind of friends to one another. But Christian friendship is also about the fact that we are friends and family because we have been united around a common father and a common older brother, Jesus. It is about keeping and encouraging each other in the faith and fighting for one another souls. Friendship no longer simply exists for the goodness of the friendship in and of itself. It exists to remind one another of the glory of God who created us in his image. Beautiful. And I hope this provokes a, a hunger for that kind of friendship in your life. Point number two, I believe friendship, though, is not optional. It's a commandment from Jesus for us to love each other as he loves us. Like we've been saying, I, I think as a culture, we treat friendship as peripheral or optional. When I ask people, do you have any friends? In fact, on my Facebook status, I just asked, how do you cultivate friendships? And I saw a lot of people say, I just don't have time to cultivate friendships. I don't have capacity to engage friendships. I, I have kids. I have a spouse. I have my work. How do you fit that in your life? And if I had enough time, then I would be a good friend. I would make myself vulnerable and provide friendship for other people. But I, I just don't have that. And I feel like many of us can relate to that. But when we look at John 15, let's revisit what we started off by saying Jesus said about friendship. In John 15, verse 12, Jesus says, this is my, say it with me, commandment. This is my commandment. Is he saying this is my warm suggestion? No. Is he saying this would be a good idea? No. Is he saying this would be a wonderful experience? 10 stars, highly recommend. This is not a Yelp review. This is not an Amazon review. This is Jesus issuing a commandment. This is God. This is the one who created all the heavens, all the earth, all of reality. This is the one who holds the fabric of the universe together. This is God in human skin who issued the Ten Commandments. Thou shall not murder. Thou shall not steal. And he issues a commandment here in verse 12. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. And then what does he say in the same breath? And there's no 
greater love than to lay down one's life for friends. And he says, guess what? I'm calling you my friends because I'm confiding in you. I'm being vulnerable with you. I'm explaining my mission to you. And then he ends this whole thought by saying, and you didn't choose me. I chose you. See, Jesus didn't wait for the perfect friends to arrive. He says, I'm pursuing you as friends. I'm choosing you. I'm going after you. I'm not a victim to a culture that doesn't celebrate friendship. I'm not a victim to my schedule or my capacity or my personality. He's saying, I'm choosing you to be my friends. And I think that's beautiful and it challenges me. In fact, uh, Amritha and I are facilitating this wedding and we just met this uh, lady from Ghana last night at a rehearsal dinner. And she said, you know what? I've been trying to figure out what church to go to. And I, I visited like three churches in the last few months. And uh, churches are a little bit different than they are in Seattle from Ghana. Which is probably true, right? <laughs> and she said, uh, I've been going to these churches and uh, everybody's dismissed and everybody rushes outside and they just say, hi, and see you next week. Nobody really asked me how I'm doing or what I'm interested. People aren't asking me to hang out. It's just like they want their hour of Jesus on Sunday mornings. And then people just go on their merry way. Have you ever experienced that? It's like, man, what? nobody really wants to talk to other people. Nobody wants to have friends. They want Christian entertainment, people on a stage. But I don't want to engage people in conversation. And she says, in fact, I visited this one church for a couple of months. I got involved with the team. And then I, I was sick for like three weeks with an intense sickness. And, and nobody called me. Nobody checked in. And I'd been serving on the team. And she says, then after three weeks, someone called me just to ask if I could serve on Sunday. And she's like, is this what the church is like? Like, aren't we supposed to be people of a spiritual family? and a community, and, and just being real as pastors, Amritha and I, we've been experiencing growth here at Kalos Church. Our, the number of people on Sunday mornings has tripled in the last year. And one of the fears we carry is that we would just be a crowd, but not a community. We'd be people that show up just to be entertained with people on stages, hear a good speech, have Christian karaoke on the screen, but that we want to engage with one another. But the fact is, we are a multi-voice community, that this church is way more about the Jeevas. It's about Jesus. And I believe that Jesus is speaking through you. He's loving through you. And there's something that only you can bring to this community by showing up and engaging with one another. I remember a number of weeks ago, Zach here, who's one of our drummers, he was uh, challenged to meet someone new. And as he is about to leave, he walks up to this person three steps after service was dismissed, approaches this person and says, hey, what's your name? Welcome. And this person said, you know what? I serve at a church at a very high level, and I just wanted to go to another community to be loved on. And I came here wondering if anybody would even say hi to me. Not even within three steps of service being dismissed. You approached me and engaged me and connected with me. I feel like the Lord knew I was here today. I just think that's beautiful. The fact is, people feel seen by God when they're seen by you. Especially in church. And we don't want to be a crowd. We just don't want to grow for the sake 
of growth. Yes, we want to reach people. Yes, we want people to experience the salvation of Jesus. And I'm not content until none shall perish. I want to go after every single person on this earth. But if we're just growing as a nameless, faceless community where we don't know each other's names and stories and we don't have inside jokes and we don't know how to follow up with prayer requests and celebrate when God moves in each other's lives, like, what are we doing? We're not friends. We're just a friendly church. And we're called to love like Jesus. And so Jesus says, love each other like I've loved you. And he loved us with the love of friendship. And so friendship is a commandment. Laying down your life for a friend is the greatest of loves. And this is something we need to say yes to in our spirits. I remember in Bible college again, there's this friend I had a class with one day. And uh, the next week, he started sitting next to me. And then the next week after me, he started to take the same walking route to the class and then sitting in the cafeteria next to me and started talking to me the whole time. And I was like, when did I become best friends with this person? He started knowing inside jokes with me and engaging with me like we were old friends. And finally, I, I walked up to him and I said, hey, when did we become best friends? How did this happen? He says, Pradeepan, I have to tell you something. I had a plan. I don't want to creep you out here, but I decided I like you and I wanted to be friends with you but I didn't know how to become friends with you. So I decided I'm going to treat you like my best friend until we are best friends. And it worked. <laughs> I was like, what the heck? I feel so used, but so wonderful. And my self-esteem has never been higher. This is great. But he, he pursued me. He pursued this idea of friendship. And some of us, we have a hard time making friends because we're looking for the perfect friend. We're looking for the perfect person. And I think our ideal of what friendship should be or could be keeps us from being friends. He just said, I like that guy. I'm going to go after him. We're going to be best friends and I'm going to be friendly and I'm going to make myself friends. I love another quote by C.S. Lewis who says this, friendship is not a reward for our discriminating and good taste in finding one another out. It is the instrument by which God reveals to each of us the beauties of others. And so uh, I want to say, like, you're looking for the perfect person before you'll make time or be vulnerable or approach someone. But oftentimes when you just make the commitment to be someone who fosters friendship, you find out, wow, I'm surrounded by amazing people in this room. And even as a pastor of the people in this room right now, I can look around this room and I can say some of the best people I've ever met are in this room right now. I mean, some of those self-sacrificial, talented, kind, loving, amazing people who love God with all of our hearts are in this room right now. And I would say about half of us at least feel extremely lonely. And I'm just saying, why don't we gather all the lonely people and say, let's be friends with each other. Let's foster this kind of community that is evidence of the love that Jesus has shown all of us. And I, I want to share this principle, point three. I believe that friendship with Jesus is the foundation of all friendship. And I want us to zero in on this whole idea that Jesus calls 
his disciples friends. Jesus says, those who follow my commands are my friends. And that's you and me in this room today. And I think one of the greatest things that we could ever realize, one of the greatest revelations we could ever experience in our lifetimes is knowing that we have a friend in Jesus. You know, Proverbs 18, 24 says, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And Jesus says, you're my friend, not because you chose me, but because I chose you. And that same principle applies in this room. For those of us who are lonely, for those of us who don't know how to foster friendship, all you have to do to start this journey of cultivating a, an environment of friendship here as Kalos Church is just saying yes to the friendship of Jesus. Because he's chosen you. He loves you. We say this all the time and we mean it. Jesus loves you and he likes you. He doesn't want to just have a Lord-master relationship with you. He wants to be someone you can confide in, you can do life with, you can share passions with. Jesus wants to be your friend to the point where he practiced what he preached and he laid down his life for you on the cross. No greater love is there than this, to lay down your life for a friend. And Jesus, who is perfect, died on the cross next to two criminals. And he said, I love you. And I'm willing to die to be your friend. I want to close the distance in relationship that we have. And I want us to do life together. You know, on Friday, I was at this Christian music event with Pastor Amritha and there's this band called Mosaic and they're a great band with great Christian uplifting music that facilitates worship and uh, they're leading us in this moment of just experiencing the presence of God. And we had spoken at this event that was primarily for teenagers and so I, I got off the stage and I'm right in the middle of this crowd of smelly, trying to figure out what deodorant is kind of teenagers and I, I loved it. And so I, I'm worshiping and we're jumping around and we're lifting up our hands as a sign of surrender. But as we're singing this song, I was just hit by the spirit of God. And I just couldn't help but weeping. I, I, I was just like, Lord, thank you for choosing me. Lord, thank you for friendship. Thank you for being a friend that has stuck closer than family that is stuck closer than betrayals, someone who's never abandoned me. And as I'm like, just making an altar, I'm weeping, I'm crying before the Lord, enjoying his presence. There's like teenagers coming up to me, tapping me on the shoulder. And they're like, hey, th great, thanks for the speech up there. That was so funny. I'm like, stop it, I'm emotional. <laughs> I'm crying, I'm a friend of God. <laughs> and I, I know I'm sharing these scriptures, but my prayer is that you would experience the friendship of God in this place. He loves you and he cares about you. He has a plan for you. And so could we just stand up to our feet right now? And I want us to sing an old song about the friendship that we have in God. And I want to challenge you in this environment. Would you make friendship a theological, biblical priority in your life? that you would say yes to the commandment that Jesus issued for all of us. But that's all going to start. The only way we can be good friends to one another 
is if we first receive and accept the friendship of Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. Hey, if you feel comfortable, we would love to see you and meet you in person. We meet at 945 and 1130 every Sunday at the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Bellevue. If you want to join us, head to www.kalos.church. You can get all the information you need and sign up so we can make sure there's a safe place for you to come and experience the beauty of Jesus with you. We'll see you next time.